0: You are listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast, a platform we've created to bring the Nordic tech community together. My name is Charlotte Roberts and I'm your host. Say a big thank you to everyone for joining today. And of course, we're going to be discussing uh, the topic, creating high performance teams. Uh, Before we dive into the topic, that sort of thing, I thought it'd be a good idea for everyone to sort of introduce themselves. Um, So if Marcus, if you'd like to go first and introduce yourself, that'd be great.
1: Sure. Um, so my name is Marcus Allanson. I work as a CTO at the Cognitive today, where I've been for the past seven years and from the start of the company. And Cognitive provides a digital learning platform for schools that accelerates learning. And what that means in practice is that some schools are using our platform to replace their textbooks or or enhancing their, their teaching or both. And my background is in. Uh, Previously as a consultant in software engineering in different areas, mobile device management, travel, retail, medtech. I'm passionate about the technology in general and love being out on the water uh, on a boat or, or running. That's about me.
0: Oh, lovely! Thank you. And I know that um, when I was when I was at university, I used a very similar tool, and that helped me no end whilst I was at university, uh, similar to what you're working with. Uh, so yeah, if Maria, if you'd like to introduce yourself, that'd be great. Sure thing. Um, I'm Maria Jose
2: Mera. Please call me MJ. It's a little bit easier. Uh, I'm an integration manager at King, working in Sharetech's game platform organization. Um, our, where our main objective is to provide our games a competitive tech advantage. I'm currently working with three teams, and if I may say so myself, they are high performing. Uh, the release team, uh, the Game Tech Alliance, and Integration Engineering. And shout out to all of you. You guys are amazing. Uh, I'm passionate about uh, creative problem solving. And so what fascinates me is like, how different environments and different talent mixes create different results. I'm also passionate about cats. I just adopted two, so they are very much on my mind. Happy to be here.
0: Oh, lovely. I love that introduction. And I think that's the first time we've had a shout out as well. So I love that. (laughs) Uh, Antonio, if you'd like to introduce yourself, that'd be lovely.
3: Yes, thank you. So I'm Antonio Lavina da Silva, and I am uh, the Data Engineering Manager or Head of Data Engineering at Nordic Entertainment Group. Um, We are the Nordic's leading streaming service provider and my passions are karaoke and uh, I love music and yeah that's very short about me. I've been at this position for uh, I've been at Nordic Entertainment Group five years and uh, three of them have been uh, heading this team of nine people nine data engineers.
0: Lovely and I have to ask what's your go-to karaoke song?
3: My go-to karaoke song. Oh, I have many of them. <laughs> I mean, I used to be a metal guy, I love metal and rock, but usually I like more ballads. So uh, I think as of late, I think Leonard Skynyrd's uh, A Simple Man is, is one, one, of, one of them that I like to do. Like one of the first ones.
0: Yeah, nice, nice. Love that. <laughs> and uh, last but certainly not least, Pedro, if you'd like to introduce yourself.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm Pedro Camargo. Uh, I'm an analytics manager for Klarna. I've been working for Klarna since beginning of last year, so I got here to Stockholm with the pandemic, so to say. Uh, I've been working with within the financing industry for almost ten years now, uh, always around like payment methods, more specifically with financing and all. Uh, I would say the credit cycle, so to say. Uh, well. Passions, I mean, as a Brazilian, football is a passion. So this is quite uh, stereotypical, so to say. But, I mean, I can't deny I love it. (laughs) I love music as as well, but I don't dare singing in public. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I would say, like, if I had to choose something, basically, I would say sports in general and music are my passions. And, yeah, I think that's pretty much it.
0: Oh, lovely. I love that. Thank you very much for everyone's introductions. Um, So I'll go ahead and kickstart the questions. So the first question is from Marcus and it is um, high performance teams versus high performance individuals. How to to mix the two? So Marcus, if you'd like to give us a bit more background uh, behind your question, that'd be great.
1: Yes, uh, sure. Um, So I think the background around this, which we discuss a lot at Cognity about having the best team in place, Um, And I think first also I want to say that I think that every company probably uh, have a different interpretation of a high performing team is depending on, on a little bit what they're supposed to do and what values you have as a company. So I don't think we will find the universal truth today, but we discussed this a lot at Cognity, at least where we have a value of having the best team in place, which has to do with hiring the right people that has the right fit, and then onboarding them properly and give them support, and and possibly also offboarding if we feel like this is not uh, not a good fit or it's it's uh, we're better off maybe both of us in other places it might sound a bit harsh but i think the interesting discussion where i would like to hear a little bit from from uh, you others is is um, how to mix the mix the two because uh, five top individual high performers doesn't necessarily or i don't think never maybe make the best uh, high performing team you have to find a, a good balance between them um and i think there needs to be a lowest bar i think as well so everyone feels like everyone has is net positive uh, contributing. Otherwise, I think really high performance can be turned off maybe by the uh, if it's going too slow uh, or things like that. So uh, yeah, it will be interesting to, to hear a little bit from the others <clears throat> how they're tackling it, if there's anything that they're thinking about or, or working with that has worked uh, for them.
4: Yeah, perhaps I can start uh, on that. I, I believe uh, I, I totally uh, understand your point of view there. Uh, Marcus and I think one of the, the things that I have in mind always uh, during the recruitment process is more than how capable uh, the the new hire is, but how good of a fit the person will be to the already existing team. So one of the things that I put a lot of weight on the hiring process is how uh, how this person will fit among the others, uh, meaning. It might not be the the most or the best technical person uh, for the job, but it's the best fit in terms of cultural aspects and like in more than exactly how capable the person is to to do the job uh, so that's of course like there's a lower threshold I won't like uh pick someone that is would be so, a, a very good fit, but I don't see that person performing well on an individual level of course uh, but it's something that I wait a lot because i my, my, at least my past experience uh, always tells me, like, told me like that. Um, having a lot of strong individuals that don't cooperate that well together. I mean, it's it it will be on the short term perhaps well, but long run, on the long run uh, probably the team will uh, dissolve.
1: Can I ask a follow-up question there, Pedro? It's a super. Yes. I, I agree. I think like, where, do you have a mental model of how you design what the lowest bar is uh, when you're in the recruitment and and in your teams as well? I would say try and error. I mean, I
4: have, I I tend I try I tend both ways at some point. Uh, and I had to like, uh, let uh, some people go because even though the person was a great fit, the person couldn't, uh, keep up, uh, with the, I would say minimum required, uh, to be uh, on the position. Uh, but again, like if you go straight to the, like, let's try to find the right person uh, with the right culture fit, it might take you too long as well. So it's, I would say, try and error. I don't, I don't have like a very. Good like mental picture of how to do that, uh, but it's uh, I mean
1: always trying the, the next time right yeah well, oh, I think that's good as well I, I think we, the way we looked at it at least is to to have a bar where we said like at least you need to have two of these three characters, maybe you need to at least be solid up and then you can be weak or 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 have it open because uh, that will give a benefit to the team. But also since we've grown quite fast and like it's a different company from three three years ago. So what we sold and what we bought into the hiring process three years ago is not necessarily exactly what we like. It's a different company today, not fundamentally, but some some things uh, you might bought into is also different. So I think that's that needs to be adherenced. I saw you raised your hand as well, Maria.
2: Yeah. Um- With that question, there's only one word that came to mind and it's humility. Uh, I look for people that have this this humbleness about them that know that maybe they know a lot, but there's people that also know a lot and that will challenge them. I think that ultimately being in or having folks that that have this this humility and the skill, uh, they can sharpen each other and uh, lead the high-performing team forward. Um regarding like w- what is a lowest bar, I'm not sure I've ever really thought of it that way. Uh, I've thought of it, okay, if this person is not so strong in this specific skill, is it already covered something else? And are they bringing a different flavor of XYZ? Uh, are they bringing something that is going to make this a, a safe space for everyone to collaborate, for example? So I'm, I'm looking for these other
0: um, strengths as well. Antonio, did you have something uh, more to add to that? I know you've raised your hand.
3: Yeah, no, I'd like to ask: what? Is, how do you? How do you measure a high-performing team, and how do you measure a high-performing individual?
1: Do you mean in general? Yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, yeah. what is a high-performing team to you?
1: Yeah, but I mean. Uh, I mean, you have to decide that yourself. What? Uh, what yourself? And I think in the end, it's a. It's about connecting it for me at least it's about connecting it uh, to where is the company going or how much are we contributing to that direction which maybe sounds a bit fluffy but I think it's then you have to set up some proxies on what that means how you how you're getting there how you will really enable the company um, and, and you have the one uh, one specter of it I think which Maria touched upon is the more uh, how can you create the safe space the <laughs> vulnerability and maybe openness. Uh, but but for us, I think it's about um, it's a lot in our values. I would think so that you take ownership and accountability. So it I can't it can't be can't be measured. It can be measured a little bit, I think, in some numbers. But you can't just look at the numbers. I think you have to have active leadership. I would say that are close to the to the people, see that they're performing, coaching them, uh, and and uh, yeah, be close to it. And with active leadership, I don't mean like micromanagement. But but you have to be there to be able to coach people and, and see what's not working. Um, so, but I would think, yeah, a kind of mix of those two is a high-performing team to me yeah, at Cognity, at least. Probably, maybe something different at another company.
3: So it, it is, it is kind of expectations from coming from from someone uh, on on a, on a bunch of developers or a team of people. Um, <clears throat> so it's it's a, to me, it's more like how do you communicate these expectations um, to these developers? How do how do we decide together the best way for these teams to work in their respective places? For my from my in, my in my position as a head head of data engineering or or engineering manager for the data engineering team is to give provide to them a clear expectation of what I what is it I expect of this team, um, and and if I have that in place, if I say the data engineering. Take takes care of the data lake. We take care of the infrastructure there, and we deliver that. To me, if they do that, that's a high performance team. Um, uh, and uh, then, if I can connect that to what my my boss or the CTO, for example, in your place, um, uh, is expecting of the company as as a whole, then then yeah, that's a high performance team. And to achieve that, I think you guys touched upon. Uh, a lot of the things like recruitment and, and and all that. How do we do recruitment? How do we identify a person, the person that can be high performance? Uh, it's not easy. Um, and 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 to me, there's no right or wrong answer. I try to f- I try to focus on individual and and mostly we do in my team. We're they they're pretty. They, they look at the tech test very very. You have a tech test, so they they, they we base that a lot about uh, of if they can are capable of handling the tech test in a good way. If they are, personality, of course, matters a lot. And the, the most important aspect is communication to be able to be high performant or low performance in some certain ways as well. You can't be high performant all the time, 100%. Some, some days you will be not at your top. And, that, and that, that to me is like, I don't know if that makes sense, but that, that that's how I think go about it anyways.
1: Yeah, I really like the expectation because it's if you don't have that, you have nothing to measure. Measure against it. I think that's well, well put.
0: Definitely, Maria. I know that you mentioned uh, kind of at at the start as well that your team is very high performance as well. So, um, so explain to us a little bit more, kind of how how you measure measure your team as well. Yeah, for me, it's about problem solving. Uh,
2: With leadership, we can set the alignment. We can set the goal. We we can point in the in the right direction, but there are going to be curveballs. And how does the team manage those curveballs? Uh, not only technically, but also like recovering from uh, what was what was one plan, and then what should be a new plan. So for me, that that is a high performing team, one that is able to go with the flow, roll with the punches, uh, and just make it to the to the finish line. Uh, and the teams that are problem solvers are going to get there a little bit sooner and their their output is going to be a, a little bit different than, for example, a team that needs a little bit more help, um, like navigating these, these challenges that come up. And they always come up.
0: <laughs> Certainly. Uh, Marcus, would you like to add anything before we sort of move on to the next question at all? or?
1: No, I think it was a uh, it was a nice uh, nice conversation with this uh, time we had.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, so that does bring us on nicely to um, Maria's question as well. So uh, Maria's question, of course, was how do you create a team where each in each member is um, enjoying their role, performing their best, whilst also aligning business values and goals. Um, so, Maria, if you'd like to uh, give a little bit more of an explanation behind your question, and then we'll dive into it a little bit deeper. Yeah,
2: like, we spend so much of ourselves at work that it'd be great if we could express ourselves at work and do the things that, that bring us joy. Uh, v- very Marie Kondo, uh, something that sparks joy. And sometimes that is aligned with business objectives and sometimes not so much. I like, how do you guys go about uh, finding those opportunities to align the two, like the personal interests of uh, each individual, the interests of the team as a whole, and then what is the, the business objective?
4: I can start so Maria I guess uh you touched upon like a, a very important aspect I believe uh enjoying work uh because since we spend or at least 8 hours a day uh, working I mean if you're not happy there probably you're uh, it's the math will be you're unhappy a third of your life or something like that so yeah it's super good to pay attention to it I mean when Thinking about the teams and the tests that, that, they, that they are performing, uh, I will always like to keep in mind: like it won't be a hundred percent of the work that we do will be super exciting, uh, and we know that for a fact. There will be like the uh, I don't know the boring parts of the work, uh, and this is uh, regardless of the, the the team that you belong to or the competence that you work with. I don't know. I, I think it, it's kind of globally; it, it's a, it's kind of that way. Uh, but one thing that I always um, tell my reports, if the, the balance, like it should be like 80%, 70% of the your time should, should be dedicated to exciting stuff, right? If that balance try, uh, starts to shift, then we should sh- do some changes or uh, the team should change scopes or the, like me as the, their leader should do something about it. Or perhaps it's time to for the person to move on to a different team because probably the scope of the team is not suitable for the person to like perform the better because the the person won't be happy uh, overall or or it won't be on their on their happiest place right so that's kind of it's kind of it's non objective super subjective how people feel right so it's always like it's something that I bring up. on, our, on my one-on-ones with my reports, like it, how they are feeling uh, overall, uh, happy with uh, where the team uh, is going for, or what we are doing. Uh, so I, I kind of rely on, on their honesty as well with me. So uh, so try to be transparent in that way. It's always good too, yeah.
3: Yeah, I, I agree with Pedro on the transparency here. Um, I also have trust as well. I mean, you have to be able to trust each other. They need to trust me as that I will I will have their backs, and they I trust them to have my backs. Um, the 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 the, the, team, the people in my team. Um, so honesty and openness is very very important. Sometimes you will do the the job that we need to do, and uh, I will lob for us to do other jobs that we want to do, and I will make it. Uh, I will have a salesman hat on me, uh, uh, if I can say that that way, because the things that Dean wants always are good for uh, the company, not only for the individual. So it's a way of packaging, packaging it uh, that, that becomes attractive to, to others the, to make. For example, the team wants a new, uh test environment, right? How do we package that up? Um, so uh, yeah I, I agree pedro uh, honesty is super important and openness and sometimes we have to do these things to be able to do these things as well
1: yeah i think i can add to that i mean the, of course the ideal thing is that it's a 100 percent match of what the company needs to be done to be successful and what the what the employee or me as a, as a person in the company uh, wants to do or really enjoys doing but that's usually maybe never the reality or sometimes some periods but but I think on an individ- individual basis, I think everyone have different drives. I think for us at cognity. some are really passionate about educational technology, so or, or education in general. Others are more obsessed with actually the problems and solving that. It doesn't matter really if it's edtech maybe or if it's something else. And then you need to yeah you need to figure it out and and match them. And I think having those conversations is super important. So not just show up on on once asking how things are doing, but be Be active about it, prepare questions, have a mental model of your team where you uh, look like someone maybe is more happy right now because they're in a dream space. They just mastered some technical skill and they're like thrilling and someone is really struggling because they're unmotivated and so on. But as part of my job and the engineering managers is to map those opportunities out there, see if, oh, this is something I know that X likes to do and trying to match that as much as possible. I'd like a Venn diagram, I see them. and then, for the team to keep them focused while it's maybe be boring task, I think it's always come back to the purpose and the why. If you're doing something meaningful, then then you can you can take a lot of shit, I think, or you can do a lot of things as long as you feel like you're doing something purposeful. So be close to the customers and the problems. Uh, I've seen many times that can create surprisingly good solutions, cut corners, high commitments, people really, really coming together. So I think it's also scientifically proven sometimes that if you have a purpose then so so for me that means like communicating the why over communicating the why really really less. so it's like almost yeah if you feel if like you're nagging and and then a little bit more then then you know that they understand because maybe for you as a manager you hear all those things in maybe a lot of meetings all the time but when it comes down to the team they haven't heard it that much they it's 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 so different so those would be some of my tips yeah <laughs> I like
3: um, Every,
2: uh, everybody jumped in.
3: <laughs> yeah, sorry. No, I, uh, what Marcus is saying is the purpose is very, very important and, and that's something you need to um continue talking on a day by day, day by day basis. I go to the stand ups of my team always and they ask me what's going on and I tell them what's going on. Things that they haven't heard. And it's like these projects are coming up, these things are being talked about, and other parts of the organization might touch upon our team. If they know this, then yeah, it's easier to do that, as you say. Sorry for interrupting.
4: <laughs> no worries now i would just say that uh, the motivation part is, uh, is super important and especially when we're dealing with the boring parts of the of the work because i mean my team works with problem solving right and they're super excited about like the, complex, the more complex the problem uh, the more excited they get right so when it's super complex they don't the motivation comes from the complexity and not for the purpose but when you go to like the boring stuff uh the we telling why this is important and why this is relevant for the business and or for the customer, uh, whatever it's I mean it's always good to keep in mind that Marcus good uh, good call.
2: Yeah, and uh, Marcus touched upon the the three dimensions that that I try to look for, which is the what, the how, and the why. Like sometimes you can align on the immediate what like what are we doing today? what is what is the actual thing we're building? Sometimes it's the how, if it's going to be using this technology or if it's going to be using this this new method,
0: and then the why, like the the purpose of it all. And I think um, I think they all all linked quite nicely as well um, to what when we's going back to sort of. It, it, at the start of uh, the process when you are bringing people in um for the recruitment process you have to be open honest and transparent but that actually continues throughout throughout um the entirety of um employees um time at the company because not only do you have to be you know honest and transparent at that point and when you was talking there about sort of um people's purpose and that kind of thing i feel um that a person's purpose would change continuously from one month to the next what they might see as a goal one month would change from the next do you guys how do you um manage that in a way is that a constant battle that you have to keep up to date or how do you sort of manage that moving Forward.
3: So, when you say <clears throat> the purpose, do you mean actual, you know, changing the actual work that you're doing to something else? Uh, what do you mean?
0: So, you mentioned there, so you, a person would need um, the purpose moving forward um, and how um, you need to, you know, of course, keep a person's uh, purpose within work um, and keep the so goal, so to speak, uh, moving forward. Um, so with that, then, I was just wondering sort of how, how you keep track of a person's purpose um, and keep them motivated within their work.
2: All right.
3: <laughs> I mean, we have, um, I think we have, when it comes to the people that are in this call, at least in my position, we I have a very specific, my team has a very specific purpose. Um, so, so we take care of the data lake and, and we make sure it works and the data is there that's our purpose so when I hire people I need to know that the, 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 the people that are coming in into my team want to do this
4: mm-hmm. if
3: they want to do this and this is their purpose then there won't be a problem with that but then there are there are there are some things you like more than others but and that's where you find the balance you have to find the balance that we, we're talking about here as well sometimes you have to do the shitty work and sometimes you do the good the, the work that's fun but and you balance it out
1: Sorry, man. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, it sounds very simple when you put it like that, Antonio. I think we have a, f- a few teams, uh, but but I never actually hired for a specific team. They've been full stack teams working with parts of the product, uh, and that was a bit actively. But 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 then now we're starting to grow a bit from from like I think we're fifteen or fifteen engineers now, and we're getting more into specialists. And then you kind of have to. You have to mix it a little bit more, but it's been quite flexible. So I've been deliberately trying not to hire someone to a specific team to be more flexible with that. And then I think we got them people who are prepared, maybe to to do a little bit what what it takes on the product. Then of course, when you get into it, you understand maybe I like this part of the product a little bit more, or here I'm working more on the on the on the customers, and here I'm working more on the back office system. But but I think if you have a good team, then you can you can find those motivations as well within. Within, and if you have a clear purpose on the big picture, as you said there as well, then then you can you understand why you're doing it. I think it comes back a lot to that as a, as a person. You want to do something that's meaningful. Most of us, at least.
3: Yeah, fi- finding a, um, uh, a the goal. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and and giving clarity on that one. That's why I meant. I mean, you you have a more broader you know perspective on on the teams and and the hiring for teams. So for, they, for you is more more difficult than for me in my position, since I'm specifically hiring for for a one, you know, specific position. So, so I, I get, I get you. Um, and um, yeah, no, I don't know. Uh, yeah, the, the purpose is 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 important. And I mean, the goal of it. What are we doing? And why are we doing it?
1: I think as in a lot, like when things have failed, also not maybe on a team level, but more on a project level, is when when the purpose or the problem itself is not really it's 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 uh, badly shaped or it's not it's not thorough then if you have good engineers they're going to poke they're going to poke holes in that and if if it's good they're going to poke holes before they write code if it's bad they're going to poke code uh, poke holes in it when things have been coded and is in testing and or even released and maybe that's even the worst case i think releasing something where it's when it's like yeah it's such a waste of human <laughs> human uh, passion. So you have to be careful with that. It's so important, but it's so easy that it just gets uh, to the solution stage and you want to build something.
0: Pedro, did you want to add? The... Yeah, I, I
4: thought my, my initial thoughts on the question were uh, slightly different. Uh, so is the person's purpose uh, comparing to the team's purpose uh, and the person's purpose at work, uh, so to say. And one thing that I, I can take or that I saw a lot uh, happening throughout my career is basically Not that the person is not aligned with the purpose of the team anymore. It's basically for the person to uh, go to the next step of their careers. uh, Changing uh, scopes or doing something else is the best Uh, career move or is the best for their development. right? And this is always something that I try to keep in mind, that sometimes the better for, for, uh, for the person is to switch teams. And people should be super uh, calm while, while doing that, because I, I know that a, a lot of people see this as, as a friction. right? They don't want to tell their uh, bosses, or so to say, that they want to change uh, teams because they want to do something else, because they feel that uh, they can uh, start learning different uh, topics and they can be a better professional by doing so. And sometimes it's not that the person is not aligned anymore with the purpose of the team, but it's basically it's the best for for their careers. And I, I usually uh, advise my, my reports, or I strongly encourage them to, to seek that, even if it means that I will lose a good uh, teammate. Right? I mean, if, if, if it is for the best, uh, the person will still be creating value for the company. Uh, of course, like I have the problem to fill the position again. But prob- on the overall aspect of the company, that should be for the best. Because otherwise, if we don't encourage uh, for that to happen, likely the person may leave the company for to do what they are, they believe that should be the right move on uh, on another on a different com- company, and this would be a big loss for, for us. So that's the, I mean, that's a, my mindset on on that topic.
0: Thank you, thank you for that, Pedro Maria.
2: I think it comes back to something that we touched upon a little bit earlier, which is trust, right? Having built that trust with the people so they, they will tell you I'm moving to a different phase in my life or this thing is happening and I want to change in this way. Uh, super fascinating.
0: <laughs> I just wanted to point back. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, so we'll just move on um, sort of to the the next question now. Um, So this is Antonio's question. Um, So Antonio wanted to know, you know, how do others go about creating high performance teams? Uh, So how do you focus work, organize teams? What's the optimal number of people in a sub team without splitting focus um, or losing inter team communications? What kind of uh, and what kind of people fit into your organization? Um, So Antonio, if you'd uh, like to give a bit more of a background of um, your question.
3: I think um, my team. My my question is super big here, um, and basically, I'm just looking at how how how. For example, in, in Marcus' position, I mean, you you are you have a, bro- a brother, you're a CTO. You have a brother, you know, perspective on, on other teams, and it's more like I only have one team that I built. So, how do uh, how do other companies do it? I mean, and how do, when do they decide? Okay, it's time to split this team. Oh, it's time to now refocus the team's objective or whatever um, so it's kind of like kind of a broad broad question if anybody has any comments or tips on that one it would be nice
1: yeah I, I smiled a bit there because there was a, it was a big question but it's I guess it's a really important question I think mentally I think when you ask the question I separate it at least into two aspects where you have the you need to change due to like, what you say, business reasons, or like you need to sh- you change direction, of goals. And the other one is more like the practical things, like it doesn't really matter what problem you solve. Maybe this is the right size of the team, and this is how you should collaborate. I think to some extent, they are a little bit, some things are, I would say, independent of which company you're at, and the other one is highly dependent on which, which company you're at. For us, um, I think we struggle quite a lot with, with this, being maybe a little bit too small teams, having very broad... Uh, missions so quite quite good from a from a perspective where you trying to create each, each each team has its own responsibility and they collaborate with each other etc that's worked we tried to keep them very small so it's not more than five engineers in the team and then a product manager and a designer so it's it's quite a classic pizza pizzas Amazon pizza style way which which is kind of the upper limit where you can have a lot of conversations and go quite fast without having to document too much uh, unnecessarily I would say but it's it's um, yeah but it's been one of our biggest challenges as well and then on top of that we Try to optimize for the product we're building, which is very complex because we do a platform, but we also produce the content within that platform to fit to a specific curricula for teachers and students. So every time we think you solve the problem, then you add in this content as well that needs to go into this uh, for the users to have benefit of it. And that may be six months to create the content for that, or to really like uh, hire experts and stuff like that. So it's it's high complexity in in one way, but I think really try to keep them autonomous as much as possible to drive decisions. Uh, to them, th- uh, things like that, and, and the size as well. I think sub-teams, we decide particularly when, there's a, when their mission is broad enough to, to, uh, to, to split into two. And we have the resources for it too, because I guess you never have mo- so many resources you want. So I think ideally, you would split earlier and, and smaller, smaller, uh, smaller, uh, smaller teams. It's not an easy question. I oh, know it wasn't. Sorry for that. <laughs> I love no, it. Let's, let's have another podcast on just on that.
3: But it makes sense. I mean, I was the, the reason I ask is because my my team is growing to a certain size as well, and I'm thinking, how am I gonna, you know, be able to provide for? Uh, how can I be a river to my people when there's too many people drinking from the river? You know. <laughs> um, so it's it's and and how do we so how do we do this and how do I do this? So that's why I was asking that, and it's kind of so that I think. The, the way you explain it is I mean the practical and the business uh, um, it's kind of like I, I like that and keeping it to a smaller size where maybe five six is good for a person to handle yeah
1: I, I guess Pedro probably have since Clarnay is a lot bigger than us so I'm not going to be an expert here on alignment but I th- what you at least what you see is that I mean, you can create a lot of autonomous teams but then then I mean two teams I think is fine then you kind of know what the other team is after when it comes to three Three teams, then suddenly you have. I mean, the, the number of communication paths increase quite a lot uh, on alignment and things like that. So I guess that's you have to make a call there on, on like, do you want to optimize for more autonomy and speed in the squads or the teams? But then maybe you 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 will have a less. Uh, you have to focus more on getting the alignment uh, alignment. I had some 80/20 rule there where I applied it. 80% of the team, 80% of the time, they should be able to do it pretty much what they want within their mission, then 20%, you got a line. That's tougher, and you need to be aware of that, that, that splitting the teams means that some things will get a lot easier, and some things will just get a lot harder. But I guess, Pedro, maybe you have some experience from from a bigger size, and I guess Kingy is also quite large in that extent.
4: Yeah, absolutely, and it's interesting because the uh, Klarna is the smallest company I work at so far. So that's quite a <laughs> uh, Yeah, so my background is on big banks, uh, so basically huge, uh, I don't know, uh, hierarchical places. Uh, and I was super used to leading pe- uh, teams of 10 people uh, size. And I thought it was fine. But when I switched to Klarna uh, like about a year and a half ago, uh, one of the things that actually uh, got to my attention, first of all, uh, there's a kind of a golden rule that no team should be bigger than six to seven people uh, because managing becomes super hard. And now, uh, a year after that, I agree. Uh, I guess, like, the attention that I pay to to my reports, the amount of time that I actually uh, spend developing them uh, improves. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a better leader, so to say, because I have more time to uh to help help people develop themselves Uh, and but i agree that the complexity that i that i saw happening at farna is basically you have a lot of small teams a lot of them and they should be autonomous or they should be treated as treated as a fintech each one of them and it's quite hard to misalign between teams because you have to communicate quite well so i would say from from a management position, like being the manager of the team is super good to, to, to have a small team. But in terms of alignment, and since Squarna has a very horizontal structure uh, in terms of hierarchy, uh, it, I mean, I would say there's some challenges involved in there. Because um, sometimes, of course, like as some com- most companies have, you have silos. And having communication between them uh, can be challenging, Specifically, when you're talking about hundreds of teams, right? Uh, but yeah, that's the. I think that's one of the the biggest challenges that we have, right? How how to create uh, uh, communication flow that is efficient for this setup of having uh, a small, a lot of small fintechs working together, right? Uh, I don't have an answer for that to be to be honest.
2: <laughs> I think this is a, a really good question, and. I... Two, two things that, that popped into my mind. Uh, One of them is in the, in the topic of splitting a team, right? Give the problem to the team and then see how they group themselves and uh, have that uh, ownership of, I want to do this. I want to do that and see how that uh, balances out. I think that there's usually really good results if people can, can get a say. In, in how they are uh, going into the different teams. And then in terms of teams within teams or many teams uh, <laughs> working together, we do have that situation. And what I have found there is that like the virtual team members, the team members that are technically not part of the team, but definitely are part of the team uh, are super important because they provide support. And in this case, you see like leadership, is part of the folks supporting the team, uh, tech leadership supporting the team, HR supporting the team, uh, all all of these these uh, functions that maybe are not within the team but connect all of the the parallel teams it becomes super important. Oh, and my favorite size is between five and seven.
4: <laughs>
2: I think that works well.
3: <laughs> I um I think I, I think is um. Uh, yeah i uh, i think it's a great great idea to ask ask the team and and of course I, I i do so it's very important to know the individuals what they want and what they feel like as well um but so so that that's that's a that's a very good point thank you
1: i think even maybe taking it further to to put them in a room and let them come up with a solution like uh, that' was how I kind of how i interpret your your answer there Maria. And then of course you have to make the final call, but at least give them a shot. Yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah, the approach
1: is super good,
3: yeah. Yeah, I I, um, I, I tried something like that with my team, Um, but yeah, we'll try again.
0: (laughs) Good luck. Well, thank you. Uh, Is there anything more that anyone would like to um, add to that just before we move on to the next question at all?
1: I think I would add one last thing where I also, if you find a solution, Antonio, I would happy to have a beer or a karaoke night about it. But I think the splitting focus on inter-team communication, I think we talked a bit about alignment, but I think the whole cognitive load of, of just worrying about an area which you're responsible for, but not working on. So I think, uh, I'm not to remember which book it is, if it's a team topology topologist, maybe who, who mentions a bit on that cognitive, uh, load, which I can definitely relate to and seen in our teams as well as it being, we've been growing and splitting out and, and then at the same time trying to in- increase the product, which which you see the area grow and, and diverge. But you also see that there's a lot of, if, you, if people go around and, and thinking and backtracking things they cannot work on or shouldn't work on, then that t- steals a lot of energy as well. So if you can explicitly cut some things out for them or say that we're not going to do this this year and that's just how it is, then I think that's really helpful as a leader as well. I mean, implicitly I might be thinking that's a year ahead, but no one else maybe knows what's in my mind or how I, how I do that. Um, so I think being explicit about what's expectations again can really help the, the, without splitting focus there, which was in your in your question.
3: That's really great. That's tying back to expectations on on the different teams and, and what are we expected to do? I mean, we can give as, as 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 many people as you guys have been saying. You know, autonomy is important for everybody, but also too much autonomy is all right. Okay, do whatever. You can't. You can't just say that, right? Because then, yeah, then I wouldn't be working here. I would be playing music. Uh, um, so, <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, that's that's uh, that's a good point.
0: Oh, definitely. Um, thank you very much. So, I'll just um sort of move on to um the next question now. Uh, so, the final question is: um, How competitive versus non-competitive work environments affect both building and maintaining high-performance teams? Uh, so, if Pedro, if you'd like to give a bit of, of background behind this question, that would be great.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, as I said earlier, like my since my background is in banking, and I would say it's kind of well known for being a competitive workspace so to say and literally uh i was uh, at some point in my career we had like a ranking like a ranking system to to rank people right uh and that can be very good in the sense of like pushing people uh forward or pushing people to like give more of themselves but i think it's overall it's super poisonous uh, for the environment as well. Uh, but having an extremely non competitive, I mean, a competition will always happen at some point, right? Because we, uh, to actually uh, give people raises or to promote people, we have limited budget. And so, in the end of the day, there is some sort of competition, I believe. Uh, but how explicit that is, I guess, like how we promote the individual versus the team in that kind of environment, right? And since I've, I've switched it to Klarna, which is kind of a di- completely different context than than my previous uh, employers, I wanted to hear from 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 all of you. Like, what are your thoughts on on that matter?
2: I can start. I love this question. <laughs> it gave me a lot of food for thought. Um, and. The first thing that, that popped out is something you kind of touched upon, which is uh, competitive is not always toxic. And sometimes we, it, it can be quite easily, but doesn't necessarily have to be, right? And when you are measuring everyone in, in, the, same, in the same ruler, then we are not considering the different talents and the different skills that each individual is is bringing to the table so we're setting uh, folks up to for there to be default losers and people to have an unfair advantage if for example we are uh, giving um like we are declaring winners those who who can stick best to whatever has has been pre uh which is one of the arguments, like right? Like something that that is wrong with uh, some of the teaching structures that there is, right? How are we grading kids? How are we evaluating? How are we comparing? It also came came to my mind, like comparison is, is the thief of joy. If we're trying to bring joy to the workplace, if we're having people compare each other constantly, are they comparing themselves on what they're bringing or are they comparing themselves on what they're lacking? so many so many thoughts and uh, ultimately though I, how i concluded it in my mind this was a journey is that high performing teams are inherently competitive but with themselves so from themselves from yesterday I'm, I'm competing with with yesterday's mj and then today's mj is going to do something and, and be amazing and whatnot so that's how i'm seeing it
1: well uh, i think that's that's interesting i i think from i think a com- competitive can work but then you have to have really good uh, values in the bottom or the culture like, that you have to have that in in the bottom it can work i think that the, the principles, the book by Ray Dalio and his company Bridgewater, where he explains quite a lot. Where they have a list of the best employee and the worst employee, and they bring the worst employee up on stage, and he's super happy because he knows now how he be how like what he can improve. It's so clear to him uh, what can be improved, and he's super happy about it. And he knows it, it drives him to improve. I'm not sure I would work good in that environment, uh, but I'm just saying that I think it's it's just a tool for the job. Um, but I think if it's competitive or it's like Um, Whatever, if it inspires people to want to become better in a good way, not in a way that you feel that you must get better, but you want to get better, I think. Then, if it's competitive or if it's any other way, I think I'm I'm fine with 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 that. But you need some vulnerability. You need people helping each other. I think for us as well. I mean, for us, it's been important to build it into the process. Um, So I I mean, you have naturally I have code reviews so you have to help each other out and and the team wins if you if you complete the ticket so then it's better if i go and do a code review rather than starting an own ticket um, so i think a little bit incentives on the ownership also you can drive a bit how you choose to be competitive but, but i think what maria said there as well that's how i view my life as well we all have different i mean we all have different uh, preconditions to succeed in different points so you have to compete with yourself uh, I think that's the best way. And as a company as well, I mean, if you're competing with yourself and being close to the customer, then I think you, you can't lose, but it's hard to do that, especially the last one when you're being close to the customer and not look too much on competitors. A little bit, you have to look at the landscape, but yeah, as, as long as it's inspiring and makes people want to be better, I think it's, it's not hurtful, but I'm not sure I would want to be exactly in that, in that myself, but it's, it's, a tough, uh, it's a tough one.
3: Uh- I think uh, competition against, I mean, in the in the same in the same team, individual uh, towards individual. I don't think that's that's. I don't think that's good. I, I rather uh, what Marcus said is is uh, helping each other out, pulling each other up is best. If if there is somebody that's lagging lagging behind, somebody else will uh, help out this person. Uh, code review uh, and, and all that. I think I think that's a, a healthy way of, of, of having it. I think the competition is towards like okay, we, we have Nordic Entertainment Group, we have we have Viaplay, we are, via are going to compete against Netflix. Okay, so the whole company competes against Netflix, not against ourselves. Uh, that that's that to me is uh, is how. It, I mean, I I'd rather have that. So if somebody is, uh, I mean, somebody is competing with himself, that's fine as well. But also, I, 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 I tend to talk to, to people and tell them, it's okay, you failed yesterday, you'll, you'll succeed today. Uh, I fail every day as well, and then I succeed some other days, and, and that's fine. That's why this happens. Some days you succeed, some days somebody else succeeds. And we pull each other up. That's why we're a team. Otherwise, you can might, might as well go at it alone. So um, that's my view of it
4: yeah I, I really liked something that MJ, uh said uh, regarding when like not measure, measuring everyone with the same ruler uh, because ultimately uh, I, I guess that's a part of how at, at least big companies fail in, that, in the matter of like actually understanding uh, people's performance at least uh, because you're, you have to evaluate i don't know hundreds of people and to make it efficient you usually have like metrics to do that right and you lose so much by doing that and uh, yeah exactly so I think the competitiveness of the workspace like can be super harmful if we lose uh, that individuality of uh, each one right and that's ultimately what we end up doing when we are trying to simplify our lives as managers like because we need to align because we are evaluating hundreds of people so we need to be uh, we can't stay in a room for a month doing that. So, uh, I mean, that's a super good point. I will, I will reflect on that uh, later on because I think that's super good advice.
3: I, I agree on that. In, in, individuals matter here. And, and if, in, if an individual is not working, uh, I, my first instinct is not I'm going to get rid of this person. My first instinct is I'm going to find something else that they can do, be good at. So this does is not working. I will find something else. We will we together. I'll sit down together with this the person in, in question, and then have a discussion and see what what else could we do, that you could excel at instead. Um, and I had one one case like that, and and it worked out really well. Uh, so and I think I think that's that's re- really good if you can do that. I mean, with hundreds of people, it's very difficult, as you say, to go to each <laughs> each one individually. But that, that's why maybe you have. Somebody else as a manager that you trust, and you can you can help them out. So it's yeah. So yeah, individuals matter. Yeah.
0: Marcus, did you want to say anything more there?
1: No, I I think we will open. It's another. I think it's a too deep deep, uh, topic. So I will say that That was a good uh, conclusion there from Antonio. Individuals matter. I think that's a key part of the high performing team as well because yeah, it's it's uh one of the foundations.
0: Definitely. Uh, does anyone else sort of have an, anything else that they'd um like to add just just before I stop the recording? Anything like that? No,
2: not for me.
0: Nope. Okay, perfect. No, not to worry, I'll stop the recording there.